0: This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. Hello! (laughs) It's so good to be here um, and to see you all and do a favour for Lewis. He does plenty of favours for us, so it's fine. Um, But I will be asking for a, a rack of lamb not a lack of ram, as I previously called it. I would like a rack of lamb in exchange, please. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, I have never met somebody who is more into Australia, like more of a fan of Australia than my grandfather. Uh, So I called him my nunu. uh, And he was born in 1920s mafia-run Sicily in a small village He was the youngest of 11 siblings in a peasant family. And he stopped going to school when he was six years old and he started working as a shepherd for the family. And he used to tell me that he hated the donkeys because they used to buck him, which just sounds totally awful. Um, And he thought so too. So when he was a young adult, he packed up all of his life into a single suitcase and he got on a boat and came here to Australia. So here he worked hard, he took English lessons, he convinced my nonna, who's my grandmother, to come over here and join him and marry him. He had four children. He managed to buy a very large house on the northern beaches, which is very, very nice. (laughs) Um, And he'd made a good life for himself. And a few years after he had left, he got a letter from his brother saying, come back home, we miss you. And he responded by saying, I'm never coming back home because now I sleep in clean, crisp cotton sheets instead of hay. I'm never coming back there. So he had found the good life. He had found what we call the great Australian dream. So where am I up to in achieving all of this? Well, at the very old age of almost 25, with my whole life ahead of me, I've got the uni degree, I've got the husband, I've got the dog. I've got the house with the white picket fence. Quite literally, it has a white picket fence, but I'm only renting. I don't own it. Uh, I've got that double income, no kids money. Good stuff. I do only have one car, though. I haven't travelled to Europe yet, but I am next year. And we went to the Maldives earlier this year. And I go out to dinner whenever I want. In fact, I ate a very nice dinner last night. So you might think that I'm doing pretty well for myself. Or you might think, wow, she's really behind where I was at her age. Or you might be wondering how you might achieve this much by my age. Or you might be thinking, I really hope I've achieved more than her by the time I'm her age. But am I actually doing well? Well? That might have sounded like a very long list of brags, but this evening what I want you to actually hear is my confession that I have an idol that needs reordering. You see, in our society we're very quick to congratulate people when they accumulate more. They get the bigger house, they get the second car, they go on that overseas holiday. We congratulate people for getting ahead. And the accumulation of things is a sign um, of success to us. We think that when people are accumulating more, they're more successful. But is that a sign of success to God? Or does he want more from us? So I want to talk about something that we've been talking about at Greenhouse Church over the last few weeks. And that's the idols that we have in our lives. And idols might not be a term that you're familiar with or that you've heard before, but that's okay, we're going to unpack it. Uh, Tim Keller, who's a theologian, says that idols are good things that we have made ultimate things. N.T. Wright, who is also a theologian and a scholar, describes idols as the perversion of something good. So the idols in our lives are the things that we put in the place of God, anything that we're saying with what we're doing or what we're spending our time or our money on and we're saying is more important to God uh, to us than God is. And I've actually found thinking about this really quite confronting because it's really easy to say that you're not committing idolatry when you're not literally like bowing down to a gold calf statue, which is what kind of a lot of our images of idolatry are um, in the Old Testament. But the true idols in our lives... I believe, are far more subtle, far easier to brush off as nothing, and far easier for the enemy to use against us. Another quote from Tim Keller, he says, An idol is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, and anything that you seek to give you that only God can give. So, let's jump in to... Matthew 6:25 to 34. If you have a Bible or a phone, feel free to read along with me. It is a little bit long, so it might help you concentrate more. I didn't drink into the microphone, Lewis. Maybe next time. Okay, Matthew 6:25 to 34. I'm reading from the NIV um, translation. The title says, "Do not worry." Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So people often use this passage in Matthew as instruction on how to be free from worry. The title is literally Do not worry. Um, But worry is not exactly what I want to focus on today, as I don't think that worry is the idol. I think that worry is the symptom of the idol. Worry is the symptom. So what I think is that if we didn't make these things more important in our lives than they should be, we probably wouldn't worry about them so much. And so it's not as simple as just be like, Hey guys, don't worry all done. Instead, it's important that we actually diagnose why we are worrying so much about these things. And so if the idol is not worry, what I think the idol actually is here is the idea of control and comfort. This idea that if we can accumulate enough things and work hard enough to achieve enough things, we will be fulfilled. And I think this is so ingrained in our culture. I think it's the pillars of the shameless materialism that we have come to just accept as normal. So comfort and control. John Naish, who is an author and journalist, says we have created a culture that has one overriding message. We do not yet have all we need to be satisfied. The answer, we are told, is to have See, be, and do even more. Always more. But when you read through the passages of the Bible, the message from God is clear. We are called to be different, think different, and act different to the world around us. So while the world is saying that the way to get ahead, the way to be happy, the way to be fulfilled is to keep achieving the next thing, getting the bigger house, the better car. The next holiday, the ski trip, the next step in our career, the side hustle, the moments that look good on Instagram, the world's tastiest brunch, the newest craft beer. Verse 33, the pagans run after all these things. Jesus says, don't worry about that stuff. Verse 34, seek first his kingdom and righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And don't get me wrong, I'm into all of those things that I just listed. Um, this is my confession today. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with them necessarily. And Jesus isn't saying that there's anything wrong with these things. Not those specific examples, but I'm paraphrasing. Um, he says he'll give us these things. We, we don't need to stress. He just wants us to put everything in the right order. Seek first his kingdom. And there's actually a danger in accidentally reading this incorrectly um, as permission to think that we do all, we follow Jesus so that we can get all of these good things. I don't think that's quite what he's saying. He's saying, and these things will be given to you. Not so that. So don't seek him so that we get all of these earthly things. Those things are like the side salad, and he's the main meal. What he's asking is that we would have a higher ambition than the Australian dream. He asks that our greatest ambition would be for his kingdom to come, for justice and mercy to reign, and for us to be in intimate relationship with him. So what is it that you seek? C.S. Lewis says, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. So if all you're chasing is this great Australian dream, I think you'll always end up dissatisfied because we're chasing something that will always require more and more and more. The goalposts are constantly shifting. We'll always be chasing the next house, the next car, the next dog, the next holiday and going, well, I don't feel satisfied after this one, but maybe the next one. I still don't feel satisfied, but maybe after the next one, after that. We can accumulate more things and more experiences and more and more and more and realise that the only kingdom we've actually sought after is our own. The Instagram followers that build our kingdom of pride. The new shirt that builds our kingdom of vanity. The fancy dinner that builds our kingdom of pleasure. In the end, it just doesn't hold up. It will fall short. We will end up being dissatisfied because we were made for another world. We were made to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. I really, I wanted to read um, this passage again. But in the message version, because Eugene Peterson has a nice way of wording things. Um, So, listen to this. See if this sparks anything. If you decide for God, living a life of God-worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes, whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion... There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God, and you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone, by fussing in, the mir- in front of the mirror, ever gotten caught taller so much as even an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion. Do you think it makes that much of a difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. But have you ever seen colour and design quite like it? The ten best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never seen... Don't you think he'll tend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. God isn't the most concerned about the things of this world. Because like I said, it's like the side salad, not the main meal. And he wants us to be the same. We weren't made for the food on our plates, for the clothes on our backs, for the houses that we live in. We were made for relationship with God. We were made for his kingdom. And that has to be our top priority. And when I was preparing this message, I was talking to my father-in-law, Craig, about it. And he said this, he said, the hardest decisions of life aren't between good and evil, it's between the good and the best. The hardest decisions of life aren't between good and evil, it's between the good and the best. So, what do we do with this? I don't really know, (laughs) to be honest, because I, I struggle with this immensely. Um, And I don't think I actually realised how subtle but deadly my idolisation, idolatry, um, of comfort and control was until we started talking about all these things at Greenhouse and I was preparing for this. And it's been uncomfortable and sobering and very challenging. And so there's a song that we're going to sing together in a moment Thank you, team, for letting me (laughs) sneak in a little song. Travis, you're welcome to come up now. Um, And the the main words that I want us to focus on in this song are, Christ is enough for me. And for me, after realising that I struggle with these things, those words are actually, to be honest, really hard to sing because I realise that I don't always believe that and I don't always live like that's true. But it was a reminder that I'd really like to. So luckily for us, even though I don't have the answers, Tim Keller, who I've mentioned quite a bit today, um, has a really handy framework for working through your idols. So step one, recognise your idols. Pay attention when you need something to feel settled. I have a lot of things that I think I need to feel settled. So this is a challenge for me. I have a list literally in my phone of things that I want. It's a little checklist and things, you know, new clothes, things I want for the house, new experiences, new places that I want to go. And the list grows faster than I tick things off it. And ticking things off it doesn't actually make me feel all that much better. So there has to be something else. So to recognise your idols, think about where you spend your time, where you spend your money, where you get your joy, what's always on your mind, maybe what you worry about. So step one, recognise your idols. Step two, repent. So turn back towards Jesus, reorder your life around Jesus. It doesn't necessarily have to mean letting go of all these things completely. I'm not saying you have to cancel your home reno project or pull out of your uni degree, cancel your dinner plans, live in an empty home, unless you genuinely feel God is calling you to do those things, then great. Um, but consider the importance, the order of importance that you've put those things in your life. What can you let go of? What things can you hold on to more? So reorder your life around Jesus. And number three, replace with worship. And one great way to do that is to sing together these words. Christ is enough for me. So let's sing that to our God. The only one who can satisfy. The one who says, don't worry, I've got you. The one who says that we don't have to work for the good life because it's been given to us freely so God I thank you that you are enough and I pray that you would help me um, believe that more, I pray that you would help me live that way more and I pray that um, you would free me and free us all from the pursuit of things of experiences of accumulating and that we would trust you for all of our everyday needs and that our our top priority would be seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness so I pray that you would help us to keep you in the top spot in our lives Would you help us to reorder the things that need reordering would you help us to turn more fully towards you amen This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 5.00 p.m. or on our website at www.nvbc.info.